Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and tight. you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Hey, welcome in to a Recruiting Thursday edition of the Morning Rush. Got our same guest lineup, Richard Davenport at 6.30, Tom Murphy at 7.20, Clay Henry at 8. Tommy Kraft and myself will take you the next three hours following an Arkansas 74-68 victory. Tommy, they initially counted that dunk, yeah, and then they waved it off at the very end. So that's what it ended well, they up being They went to the monitor time. and looked at it and then decided after the game that it was no. That's a, that was a procedure change a couple of years ago to make sure – games in properly because buckets were getting counted that were no good that didn't matter there was not to get off topic here but there were there were goals that were being counted and not counted that didn't affect the outcome but guess what it did affect rpi betting lines <laughs> so, oh betting lines. So, was... so a couple of years ago they said hey you know what we're gonna look at all these at the end of the game regardless of the outcome and that's what happened last night but whoo while they were looking at that everybody else was going Whew, but you're just kind of exhaling a little bit because that was a, a roller coaster with a couple of loops in it last night uh, for the Razorbacks. Yeah, first half didn't go according to plan, but what they've done a lot of times this season, they played a lot better in the second half. They shot better, they defended better, and they just played overall better. You mentioned the bet. If you bet on Arkansas last night on the Bet Saracen app, they did not cover in terms of the what their points were. It was about seven and a half, six and a half, depending on where you got it. Now, I know some of you thought Missouri was going to cover, but not win. So if you bet Missouri plus seven and a half or whatever it ended up being, you won last night. Fade Zach Arns. I was joking with him last night. He bet on Arkansas to cover. A lot of his picks lately have been the opposite of what he's told you on air. Pick the opposite of Zach Arns. You'll actually win some money. So I thought this game, I mean, when you go back at it, obviously the second half, they came out of the locker room and turned it around, but it was really right before the half in the last three or four minutes when it was as much as 17. Uh, Pinion hits that that three from the corner, one of the three he got that lifted this team off the bench that really a, a team that played about seven guys last night when you look at the minutes. But that run that they made, an 8-0 run at the end of the first half to cut it to, what was it at the half? Uh, it was... Uh, seven point game. Seven point, yeah, 34-27. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do that, and you go down 12, 15 and a half, you, you're probably not winning this basketball game. So as as much as we'll focus on a lot of the things that happened in the final 20 minutes and Ricky Council, who was awesome in the second half uh, and really lifted this team, I thought the run that set all of that up there at the end of the first half was as key to, uh, to anything in this victory last night. Yeah, you got some momentum. You didn't have a great final sequence of that first half, and I was hoping that little last bit wouldn't hurt them heading into halftime it didn't they came out again defensively Kobe Brown what they were able to do on Missouri's best player was awesome he only gets off seven shots has five made free throws and he ended up with 11 points right Tommy Uh, that's all he ended up with Kamani Johnson Makai Mitchell Jordan Walsh at times this is a premier player in this league he's a four-year guy he's absolutely stacked because he's been in a college weight room the last four years and you for the most part really limited him the last two games against ranked opponents he's combined for 61 points he had 11 last night well I thought the biggest number on his stat sheet for Arkansas was the four and that's in the foul column because he only ended up playing a little over 20 minutes last night foul trouble uh, really limited his minutes and that was huge uh, for Arkansas in this game because he was you know, without question, the guy to stop mm-hmm. going into the ballgame. And I was a little worried. Jordan Walsh picked up number two with about 16 minutes to go in the first half. Ended up getting four fouls. Did not foul out. But Jordan is a guy that's had quite an impact these last few games. But for Arkansas to win this game with Jordan only having six, I think Anthony only had eight. 
I mean, there were some guys that you're kind of expecting to score more in terms of volume, and you still managed to win last night thanks to Joseph Pinion, thanks to a second-half performance from Ricky Council. And then again, don't underestimate the value that Kamani and Makai played last night in locking Missouri's best player down. And talk about Joseph Pinion here for a second. 13 points, that was huge. That's not the number that surprised me as much last night. He got the chance and made three three-point baskets. We mentioned one of those in the first half kind of sparked a run. It was the 28 minutes. His defense was, I guess, good enough and held up. There was one moment he slipped and fell and, and lost his man. But uh, for the most part, Pinion's defense has been the reason you didn't feel he could be out there for nearly 30 minutes of the game. And last night, he puts in 27 and a half minutes. That was probably as big a surprise on the box score as the minutes for Joseph Pinion. Yeah, that's what Musk said after the game is his defense he had the one blow by that you talked about. But outside of that, if you go back and watch some of the drives that Missouri guys had on him, Joseph at 6'5", 6'6", fully extended, didn't necessarily block the shot, but at least contested it. And that's what you're asking for. He's not going to be an elite defender in his time at Arkansas, but as you just said, you want it to be good enough, and it was good enough last night. And what Musk said is that he his presence alone kind of flattened the zone out a little bit because Arkansas was awful from the three-point line to begin. They only hit two in the first half. I think two for 12. In the second half, they go four for nine. His presence alone, that's what I've been speaking to kind of leading up to this point. It's like when he gets in, he just has an impact. It's not Isaiah Joe impact from a couple years ago, but it's at least you always got to know where he is. And he, again, hit some big shots last night going three for six from the three-point line. So you mentioned council. Obviously, that's where... Arkansas starts, you know, the story last night, 25 points in 31 minutes, gets 11 of those points at the free throw line, made 11 of uh, of 13. What were you seeing against that zone? Because Missouri was packing it in, and I thought Arkansas did a good job of quickly passing, moving the ball around at times, opened some creases, played it at some points, kind of a high-low combination there. What were you seeing with that zone and the way they attacked it to get not just Ricky looks at the basket but trips to the free throw line. Well, what I thought Eric Musselman did is at times he had Makai and then Kamani at the high post and Makai might be, but Kamani's just not a threat there. And so he started putting guards in that situation and then got to the paint. They kick it out. They weren't taking the first three that was open. It, it's it's difficult because Arkansas is not going to be a great three-point shooting team. They're outside the top 300 last year. I don't know if they're going to be that bad, but when teams do zone them like they will the rest of the way, just get used to it. You don't have to jack a bunch of threes. You just got to be patient and keep moving the basketball. They were more of that in the second half. And then they got to the free throw line in the second half of that basketball game last night, which is always going to be crucial for this team if they want to win. Yeah, it was frustrating. Was there is either one or two shot clock violations in the first half that the team had where, I mean, they couldn't get a shot off mm-hmm. them. It was so packed in. So, I mean, that was just, that's how menacing Missouri was at times is, Arkansas couldn't even get a look in 30 seconds. Give credit to Gates and Missouri, their head coach. He came in with a good game plan. It just wasn't enough. What Arkansas has done in the second half of ball games this season is turned up the pressure, turned up the defense, and that, again, has just kind of sparked their offense. This crowd has been a big impact for this team. you got a lot of young guys that we keep talking about. They need your support. They continue to need that. You had a really solid crowd in Bud Walton last night for a ranked opponent. We'll see what you do against Auburn this Saturday because that game against Alabama next week, if you win this Saturday, it's going to be bonkers. Good or bad that they lost to Georgia last night? Probably bad. Yeah. You and I are always in that same camp. <laughs> I was watching a little bit of that before uh, Arkansas. Was like, eh, this is probably a good time to go see Georgia after losing on the road at Athens. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet Online. Where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. 
Richard Davenport joins us now. Richard, you watched the game last night. I know what you think. Uh, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I, I really thought that uh, Ty hit it on the head about uh, Devo, uh, but uh, I, I think you guys kind of hit it, man. I mean, uh, that's why you guys have a morning radio show. <laughs> appreciate that. One of the the strange things I've just noticed in this on the box score, and sometimes you can get get lost in stats. But Ricky Council with twenty five points in the game last night plays thirty one minutes, but his plus minus was a minus nine. <laughs> That's like minus eighteen in the first half or something. Yeah, I mean that, that, that's just a weird stat when you uh, when you look at a guy that led your team, Richard. But uh, Ricky Council was awesome last night. Twenty five points, eleven free throws. He was magic in the second half. Yeah, I mean the thing is, you, you know, when he goes to the free throw, most of the time he's going to make them, and that, that's a difference in the game, especially going down 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 the stretch when you got to have them and and you feel comfortable with the ball in his hands. You had a good atmosphere last night, Richard. They went on Saturday. That atmosphere when they host Alabama next week is going to be insane. Is Was there anyone in attendance last night of note or that might come in this weekend or next week, football-wise? Uh, football-wise, oh, okay, I got you. Uh, yeah, they, well, they, they got about uh, five, six guys on campus right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them uh, midterm transfers. You got Dante Thornton, receiver from uh, Oregon is one. Uh, Antonio uh, Greer. Who was the, was the linebacker that uh, signed a grant and aid uh, uh, package with Arkansas? But uh, you know those are non-binding uh, until a kid enrolls in school. So uh, he, you know he tweeted out uh, the other day that uh, he would be making a final decision on uh, January the seventh. It sounds pretty much like it's going to be Arkansas or Central Florida. So this is really important with him. And then you have D.J. Taylor, Arizona State defensive back and, and return man. He's also on campus. And uh, Jake Roberts will be finishing up uh, his uh, official visit today. He's a tight end from North Texas uh, who's uh, really blew up with a lot of offers once he got into the portal. And uh, I'm, I think I'm missing one uh, thing. Think I'm missing somebody else off the top of my head. I can't think. So you mentioned Greer. But, uh, oh, sorry, Richard. Go finish up. No, no, go, go. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. You mentioned Greer kind of deciding between UCF and Arkansas with Woodson coming in as the co DC. He's got a great track record of recruiting. A lot of Florida and Georgia guys. Richard, what should his pitch and Coach Williams' pitch be being at Florida schools this last year, trying to convince kids from those areas? that Arkansas is the right place to be? Well, I think, I think the number one pitch is, you know, the SEC, then obviously you got everything else that you need if you're at Arkansas. I mean, uh, I think Florida State is is about to break ground on a new football facility. Arkansas already has a, a football facility that's still state-of-the-art, and even though it's about uh, 10, 12 years old or however old it is, it's still, uh, you know, when you talk to kids and parents, they, they still kind of blown away by it but uh i just tend to think that uh you you sell what you've always sold uh at arkansas one school one state uh sec great facilities great fan support ability to go to the next league you mentioned the receiver from from oregon tell us a little bit more about him is he the one because i was reading something that i was talking to someone who's over there there's a six three or six four wide receiver that uh is really kind of has the dimensions of what they're looking for, what they need right now. Is that is that the one from Oregon? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That, on the uh, on the Oregon website, they got him listed six five, uh, one ninety seven. He told me uh, uh, two hundred pounds, so let's give him two hundred pounds. But uh, definitely, the size is there. Good speed, and uh, he was like the number one. Not, not excuse me, number nine uh, receiver in the country by one recruiting service coming out of high school in 2021 and um, was a consensus four-star out, out of Baltimore. So uh, highly touted, you know, probably just not getting the uh, number of balls thrown uh, uh, to him that he'd like. And, and obviously I think uh, anybody that sees the, uh, the roster at Arkansas, the the opportunity for playing time and getting uh, some touches is there. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, there's plenty of – Plenty of opportunity, it appears, right now, particularly on the defensive side. I mean, we, we've been having conversations, and, you know, just like anybody else sitting around with your buddies, you talk about it, you know, offensively, quarterback solid, running back, you got Rocket, and you're, you're deep there. 
you got to figure out the tackles on the offensive line. You got some great tight ends coming in. Wide receiver seems to be the place offensively where there's probably the most opportunity right now. You've got a collection of young players, but um, an experienced wide receiver could come in and be an immediate impact player. Oh, there's no doubt. And they have another one coming in uh, uh, today, a uh, uh, Division Two guy that a lot of fans are excited about and who's really blown up since he got into the portal is Isaac. And I couldn't even tell you the last name. I, I don't, I'm not looking at his name. Uh, I have a better idea of uh, pronouncing it if I was looking at it. But uh, from, from Hilldale College in Michigan, he's another one, 6'4", about 210 pounds, very good size. And his film looks ex- exceptionally uh, good because he's uh, he's a great athlete. Great athlete. I think he's got like a 42-inch uh, vertical, 40-inch vertical, something like that, and uh, shows some very good speed. And uh, just uh, just blew it up uh, this this season. I think he had 68 catches for over a thousand yards and uh, 13 touchdowns, something like that. Uh, again, not not looking at the numbers, but uh, yeah. uh, I think uh, I think he's he's visited Iowa and Iowa State. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see. Uh, hopefully after uh, after Friday, uh, where, where he's uh, where he's thinking. So. Now that you know, you kind of see who's who's left. We've had more players enter the portal over the weekend and through the holidays. Um, you, you know what's coming on camp. What's the what's the biggest needs on defense? Because it seems like you could make a case maybe for for defensive line, secondary. Um, they, they've got some some players that they got you know, a lot of quality snaps at, particularly in the the bowl game at, at linebacker. But uh, seems like there's needs in every every spot right now on the defensive side. Yeah, I'd say tackle, defensive tackle, and uh, definitely in the secondary. And I think uh, that's some somewhere that uh, Coach Woodson, you know, with him coming on, he he's going to be, uh, you know, kind of looking at his own guys and uh, trying to make a determination of who, you know, who they want to go after. And uh, you know, with DJ Taylor, evidently uh, the DB from uh, from Arizona State, evidently he's one of them. Uh, that uh, they they decided to bring he just decided to bring in and obviously uh, Travis Williams is going to have a, a a say for sure you know being the defensive coordinator even though they're both quote co coordinators I assume that uh, Travis uh, Coach Williams would be the uh, the guy that makes yeah. the final say but, but again I, I don't know the how all that's uh, going to work out but anyway just yeah de- definitely defensive backs and I think uh, defensive tackles I think they're I think they're Got some young guys at the on the defensive line that they're really high on uh, that uh, you know can obviously continue to develop. But uh, I think those are the two uh, two positions that they're really focused on. Yeah, co coordinators is kind of like the husband that says, "Yeah, me and my wife make all the decisions together." In the end, we know who makes the final call. But I mean, that's what co coordinator means to me, Richard. Yeah, and 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 sometimes the co coordinators a. Uh, is you know obviously maybe just a, a you know a title uh, situation where you can justify more money and it'd be interesting to see what his contract uh, uh, reads. Uh, I think he's making five hundred k at uh, Florida State. Uh, I would assume he's going to be making quite a bit more at, at Arkansas. My wife would say she's not the coordinator; she's the head coach. That's what mine would say. Head coach. <laughs> oh, Laura. I think we all. We, I think we all know who's, who's always the head of the house. That's so. exactly right. Richard, For all of us. Uh, last thing we'll get to, Bobby Petrino heading to College Station. I know a lot of people have opinions opinions on this. What's your opinion on the former Arkansas coach heading to coach the offense at Texas A&M? I'm not surprised. When when I saw that he was going to UNLV, I said, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and you pull for Barry, and, and, and I hope that sticks. But uh, you knew if A&M wanted uh, Bobby, that they would be able to get him just because of the money. So, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously one of the greatest offensive minds uh, we've seen uh, probably in the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years of college football. So uh, that's, hey, if you're Texas A&M, I'd be excited. If you're, uh, you know, the SEC, you get, well, that's going to be a little little bit more difficult next year. So uh, uh, just part of the process. Everybody has a great coaching staff and, and uh, Texas A&M just uh, added to theirs. Where where do you think Barry Odom goes here? Goes now for for an OC? Who would who would kind of be in that coaching tree or in that circle that he would uh, maybe call next to to fill that spot? 
That would be a good question. Probably, probably, I think he and Bobby had kind of a, a previous relationship. I think most coaches, and I think you see this with uh, Sam, not maybe not all the time, but most coaches, especially with coordinators, uh, they 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 have a previous relationship with that coach, and uh, I think that's the case with uh, uh, with uh, with Barry. I think he'll probably go that route, but at the same time, maybe he doesn't. Uh, but that's that, the problem is he's kind of limited for his salary. Yeah. I mean, he can pay a pretty pretty good salary, but he, he he's going to be kind of limited in who he can get. And Bobby obviously was uh, for the you know for the pickings because you know he wasn't making much at Missouri State. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. With 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the gang and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar! First Western Bank. We are more than just a bank. We are your partner for all your financial services. First Western has real professionals with years of experience in banking, mortgage, insurance, and investments. From financial services to personal and business insurance to investment products, mortgages, and small business banking. First Western with locations throughout Northwest Arkansas and the River Valley and online at firstwestern.com. Exceptional financial services all in one place. First Western Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Let's talk some basketball here. 877-377-6963. You faced your largest deficit of the season to a team that's coming off two back-to-back top 25 wins, scored, I think, 90-plus in both those games. You couldn't shoot for you-know-one the first half. You still found a way to win. It's always encouraging when you see them have such a better second-half performance, and that's what this team, and me and Zach were talking about it last night, has been all year long. You realize you're going to play the Tigers three times in a row? LSU, Missouri, and now you're playing Auburn oh, wow. Saturday to open conference play. I didn't think about that. Good. Has that ever happened in the his? I saw, yeah, I saw that on Twitter. I don't even remember who, and then I heard it mentioned on the post game. But yeah, Tigers, Tigers, Tigers. So you got the Tigers Saturday in Auburn, who lost to Georgia. I don't know if you're catching them at a good time. Bruce Pearl, I watched the tail end of that game. He <laughs> he was not very pleased with the way his team played last night. He he undressed some kid, poor kid, with about two minutes to go coming off the floor. Chris Moore? I don't know. It wasn't Chris Moore. But uh, anyway, probably not catching Auburn at a good time. And listen, Muss wouldn't be any happier. Muss wasn't any happier in the first half either. He, he looked like he was in, in pain with the way his team was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, uh, in the SEC Network interview prior to him jumping on with uh, the media, and then also I think he had was obviously on with Chuck and Z, He, you could tell. Even in a win, he was very, very frustrated with how these guys played. But you say the asterisk on that is even in a win. That's the important thing. I know that when they kind of regather and regroup and they watch film, they look at the final score, 74-68, to not 74-70 to like it was initially called. And it's something that you reflect, reflect on positively. Here's something interesting, though, that I thought he said last night, which you don't hear from coaches that often. I mean, I told the team, like, it's a must win. I mean, I don't like to tell people that. And quite frankly, it was a must-win tonight for us. Maybe that had an effect of, of how we played the first half because I've never told a team this early in the year, but I felt like with the toughness of the league that this was a game, especially because we had a long prep time. He was honest. Well, just don't really say that. I don't say that. But Well, we've been talking about you know, must win from the standpoint if you want to if you want to win the regular season title. Last night's game was a game you had to win, but I think it's a must win mentally for this team. They've got to they've got to know and they got to prove that they can win without Nick and they can win without Trev and Brazil. They don't get a choice for Brazil, and the more this goes on, it looks like Nick Smith's probably not going to be uh, much of a factor for this team, if at all, uh, for this year. So I think proving some se- some things to themselves with the players they have available right now that they can can win a game against a, uh, a a ranked opponent, a top, what were they, number 30 in the uh, net rankings we were mm-hmm. looking at the yesterday. Yeah, right inside a, a quad one All right, so this is a quad one game. You get another quad one game coming up. You know, 
this this team needed to prove some things to themselves last night. So must win probably for themselves more so than stats, rankings, or or any of those things. Standings. I love Hog stats this time of year. He has been so chronic a lot of Joe Cole when it comes to getting all this basketball information. Listen to this one. Eight straight wins for Arkansas basketball when trailing at the half inside of Bud Walton Arena. So when the chips are down, it doesn't look good. This team has come back eight straight times inside of that building. 17 straight wins inside of Bud Walton Arena. Dave Neal said it on the latest edition of the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast. This is just the best place for college basketball. It is. I mean, I've been to Allen Fieldhouse it's awesome. That's the only one that measures up. Cameron Indoor is really cool with the crazies. The Dean Dome is awesome. Got a chance to do that in Chapel Hill. But you can honestly say, and this is not a homer take, that your basketball arena and your baseball stadium is a top three, top two facility in all of college sports. And it wasn't even like the level that it can get to last night, but it was still really good for a midweek game. 30th year for the building. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a dominant factor. And when the fans, when that building's alive, like it was last night, that just fuels the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about that number being, uh, give the fans credit because when they make it imposing, I think that just fuels that, that, that team to, to come from behind. Mm-hmm. You never feel like you're out of it. Even down 17, I never felt watching that game. Arkansas's out of this. No chance to win. What you as a fan do is inspire these effort plays, and I don't want to take away from the coaches putting the guys in the right position or the players actually giving the effort. You had 15 offensive rebounds last night. Mm-hmm. 15. You won the glass battle against Missouri, which you're going to be able to do against zone. It's a lot harder to get body on body, box out when you're in zone. You're supposed to get this area or that area. But Arkansas, when they do get zone this season, there's got to be a lot of tip back. There's got to be a lot of second chance points. Jordan Walsh had a key one in the first half. There were some others for Makai Mitchell and Kamani Johnson. Those guys are really, really good around the rim, and he gets those effort plays that really stand out inside of Bud Walton Arena. Yeah, and Arkansas led second chance points 17-8 to in that game. There were several sequences like you said, against that zone where there was misses, tips, putbacks. Some of those offensive rebounds, you had one possession in the second half where there was I think three offensive rebounds, but they were really tips and putbacks. Uh, that that kind of helped that number, but overall Arkansas was plus seventeen in the rebounds last night, forty to twenty three. So um, when you're not making a lot of shots like they weren't in the first half, sometimes that number can can grow itself. But uh, best way you really want a, a game without a lot of offensive boards because you made a lot of shots. But last night Arkansas had some chances in the paints for some second chance points, and like you said, they had seventeen of those last night. I want you to think about this for about. 35-ish minutes, you did not hold a lead in that basketball game. It took till about 14 minutes left in the second half for them to get going. Missouri, for the most part, dominated a good chunk of that game. But even with as many young guys that you have on the roster, like you think about who you're relying upon in a true freshman point guard that you're so, so putting like an incredible amount of, of stock into, and then the guy that came off the bench that was raining threes is another true freshman. That's just something that is seldom seen in college football. Occasionally you see it in college baseball. I think it's more prevalent in basketball because those guys are just more ready for what they go up against. And I think it's really cool to see an in-state kid like Joseph had a game he did last night. It's awesome to see Ricky, who had a dreadful first half. I think he was minus 16 in the plus-minus that we were talking about earlier. And then for him to go off for, what do you have, 25 or 26, Tommy? 25. 25. 11 or 13 from the line. He he has been the, the guy that you were technical foul, flagrant foul. Ricky, go take the free throws. Yeah, because Arkansas is a team shot less than 70% for, for the game, but he was 11 or 13. No one else was just you know, stellar at the line. You know, Kamani was one for four. Makai um, Mitchell, who played less than a minute, was one for two. Pena did make both of his uh, attempts, but it's about the free throw. Uh, it's about the FTAs a lot of times than it is about the makes. You figure the makes will come if you can just get to the line. Mm-hmm. Council was the one that could actually consistently get there and get the opportunity. So you asked for part one, which is got to win this game. You did that last night. Now, part two is going to be a lot more difficult. No disrespect to Missouri, but going to Auburn in the jungle. 
You set yourself up for a battle against Alabama, who will be inside the top 10 next week. You want to get to that point. You're not going to get to that Auburn point. Probably won't get to that Kentucky point last year. But if you want Bud Walton to be what it usually is, you win this game on Saturday night for that home game next week. Oh, there's no question. And, um, you know, Alabama sitting there at 8. Arkansas stays at 10 after last night. I know those are the net rankings, not the polls. But, Ty, this could be an awesome building next Wednesday night. 6 o'clock game against Alabama at Bud Walton Arena. Uh, and Must is going to have to sign that waiver that you can leave work early so you can go. Even if you lose on Saturday night, it's going to be a packed house for the Crimson Tide next week. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic, just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. All right, so Monday night... One of the biggest stories in the last couple weeks happened with DeMar Hamlin being in the hospital and everything going on. He's still, uh, I think I saw a report telling me that he's doing better. I think that was uh, latest on CBS News that I was reading this morning, which is good. And uh, I want to make perfectly clear that his health is the foremost priority on this. But I think the question has arisen by several NFL people. What do they do now? something you wanted to ask because the Bills, the Bengals, it's not going to resume. There is still a battle for that first place in the AFC. There's a battle for the AFC North. There's just questions on how the NFL should go about moving forward this weekend and to the playoffs with two teams that will play one less game, theoretically. You follow your rules. Whatever your procedures or rules are that are in place and and I think you could approach this probably similar to a game that a hurricane has come in in Florida or on the East Coast and kept a game from occurring or a massive snowstorm where we've seen games move to other cities. There is no fair and competitive mm-hmm. balanced way to resolve this, and that's why the commissioner has to get by on $60 million a year or whatever they're paying him to figure these things out. Sometimes you just got to make a decision um, in, in the fairest way possible with some logic to back it up. So um, I don't know how you can still squeeze it all in unless you want to move everything back, either absorb the week between the conference championships and the Super Bowl. They're not moving the Super Bowl back a week over this. So um, there's very few options because you have very limited time. Mm-hmm. And I know Joe Burrow was on record this week saying he didn't know if the Bengals were going to play or not this weekend. You had... Josh Allen and his teammates in Buffalo being as emotional as they were just because of DeMar and just the what he's going through right now. And that's so let me ask you this. You talk about the Bengals not playing. I could you could certainly understand the Bills having some pause about playing. That's their teammate. That's the that's their brother that they shared the locker room with. Can you really make a solid case why the Bengals shouldn't play? Anytime you witness something as horrific as they did on, I mean, it's 
you just pause and think about things. And I know death and, to the point and, you don't want to play. Evidently, it's impacted them as much as it did. Again, these guys throw go through injury after injury, painful hit after it, exercise rehab. They go through all these things, but in their minds, and I think in a lot of people's minds, they almost witness someone die in front of them on Monday night. And again, death happens all the time. I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and tell you that there's not cancer and car wrecks and these different right. murders. I mean, every day's a risk. Hor- horrific events, but I, mean, I think that's they're just having pause, like you say, because in my opinion, they almost witnessed one of what they, even though he's not their teammate, they still consider him a part of the NFL brotherhood on Monday night. So I'm, I'm not they, saying that's right they, or wrong. I'm just telling yeah. you what the vantage point is from the Bengals' perspective. Well, if, if that's the point, then every player why I mean, I, that just seems a bit a bridge too far for me. But maybe I'm just old and callous now. So if it was the Bills, if the Bills decided not to play this weekend, you wouldn't have an issue. But because it's the Bengals, you, you're I'm operating well, from the presumption that we're the strongest bonds and relationships and friendships and you know who do you spend your time with your your teammates, teammates right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand what the Bengals witnessed, but we you know we all kind of witnessed that. I, I know we weren't on that field firsthand. I don't know. It, it maybe I'm just old and calloused about that. I mean, but uh, uh, that seems a bridge too far that the team that he wasn't on would would not want to go. But I mean, you know, who I, I am think I to judge. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I think there's probably even teammates and other people in that locker room. But like you're saying, it's almost it, it's it's a no-win situation because you're callous if you say that or you consider callous, even if you know you might not be. That if you want to just move on and play, that's I don't know if you can say that's the world we live in today. I, I have a I, I've been grappling with this and going back and forth with this all week because uh, again, I'm sitting there with my roommates watching this, thinking just the absolute worst is about to happen. That Susie Colbert and Shefty and those guys are gonna about to announce that the inevitable, what I thought was inevitable, but it ended up not being on Monday night. Well, I think we still gotta get some more answers, and and this will only come down the road after more tests and you know MRIs or and and I'm I'm of the belief because of being in great physical shape and youth that Demar Hamlin's going to survive this. Whether or not he plays football is a totally different conversation that need to be had. What. I would like to get some clarification on, and now's not the time. This will come in time. Did the hit or the game of football have anything to do with the cardiac arrest, or are we going to find out there was an unknown heart defect or a heart problem that it just the, the timing of it happened to be in that moment mm-hmm. during the game? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I think that's important to clarify at some point down the road right now like you said his medical care and him improving the the reports are is you know the the amount of oxygen he's getting through the ventilator is is being reduced because his body's able to uh, more and more you know breathe on its own uh, which is always a great sign if anyone's had a family member or loved one on a ventilator you know those are the percentages are always something you monitor closely so uh, but I'm optimistic because he's 24 years old and he's in great physical shape uh, he's a strong human being. He's he's going to pull through this. Um, there, there's no reason not to believe that at this point. But I think we got to also, for the sake of the game, for the sake of all those that are playing now uh, and will play in the future, get some clarity on what was really at the root of this. Was it physical contact during the game that by the untrained eye, just the fan eye and us watching, didn't appear to be severe or anything out of the norm. Like a normal tackle. Just, yeah, it's just a routine football play. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are we going to find out DeMar Hamlin had some unknown issues that any of us could be walking around with that, you know, came at a, for him, a very fortunate time? Because I'm still of the belief, and you won't get me off of this, other than being in the hospital, if this happens to DeMar Hamlin anywhere else in the world, he may not make it. If he's not on a football field, either at practice or in a game, there's not medical personnel standing by close enough to to resuscitate him and deal with mm-hmm. with the, the with the issues at hand. That being in that football game saved his life. And I think on on that note, you almost you almost answered, or I, I guess you posed another question with that said statement is. We're not going to probably find out for a couple weeks prior to even know that certain players and owners and people within the NFL want that confirmation on what it is now. So that's 
kind of the mm-hmm. issue on this is players want to know, all right, what was the root and the cause of this? We're not going to know for a so, couple weeks. That's why there's another pause on this. I know we got Tom, and I'd like to hear some of Tom Murphy's thoughts, but I don't know. You you follow the who, – who do the Bills have on their – who is their opponent for this week? I think it's – I shouldn't a, put you I on think the spot. It's, here, I'll pull it off. I but think it's I mean, a divisional I'm just opponent. talking about, about fairness. To, to, you know, I say maybe Bengals, fairness. Bengals have the Ravens, Tommy. I do okay. know that, but I, I – the Bills – I mean, those teams need Pats. To, I knew it was a divisional opponent. Um, you know, I don't know where those games are at. I, I should it's in I Buffalo. You know, you know, you got season ticket holder. You got a, you, there's a lot of tentacles. Uh, you got players that they get game checks based on playing in the games. I mean, there's there's a lot of things, and it's not just involving the Bills or perhaps you said the Bengals are considering not playing. It involves the Ravens. It involves the Patriots. It involves playoff standings in those divisions and those. Those that conference, so I mean, these are decisions that don't just affect one team that's trying to cope with or deal with uh, their fallen teammate. Tom Murphy is with us now. Tom, what were your thoughts? I'm I'm sure you've watched it. Uh, maybe you were watching live on Monday night. What what went through your mind when all that occurred? Uh, I was actually watching live on Monday night and saw the play, and you know, it's it was a semi-violent. I mean, T. Higgins certainly, you know, initiated some, you know, he was part of the deal. Uh, but I looked down, I looked away, and then I, until I heard him saying it, and then, of course, they showed the replays. But, you know, uh, I think on Tuesday I talked to you guys about how, um, I don't know the technical term, the medical term, commodio cardis or something like that, but when you take a shot right to your chest to, it, you know, it messes with the electrical impulses in your heart. It can stop your heart. I mean, it's happened with yeah. baseballs. It's happened with hockey pucks hitting people in the chest. And certainly it's happened. And I read a story yesterday about um, a guy who uh, who died on the field way back when. Dick, Dick Butkus was a player. Um, well, he didn't die. They, they, they took him off the field, and they, they finished that game. Yeah. And he died at the hospital. That's our Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. So, what, guys, what should the NFL do next? I mean, how do you deal with this? Particularly if you have more games missed this week, Tom, how do you, how do you deal with the integrity of the playoffs moving forward in the seeding and where everyone accepts that what we're going to do moving forward with wild card games and eventually divisional and championship games in a Super Bowl is all legit this year because you know at the, at the end that's the that's the job of the commissioners to to uphold the integrity of everything involving the league on and off the field. Well, right, and I have not heard further that they're contemplating not playing this weekend. Um, and but if they do, I mean, I guess whatever the results uh, are will will hold for the playoffs because you can't. I did hear people talking about there was one open weekend, the weekend of the NFL skills competition or something, and I didn't realize that was the case, uh, that they might be able to fit in just the Bills-Bengals game. But it's, that's starting to look like it's not likely. So um, I don't know. It's a scenario we haven't faced before, and the teams, I think, will have to be understanding, and there probably be would be a team or two that would either benefit from not having a few couple games or that would uh, really benefit from that have taking place. So, Tom, let's talk about the NFL playoffs, some of the teams you like, the players that you think could come out of the woodworks. What does it look like to you now as we get closer to postseason NFL? I'll tell you what it looks like for me. If the Falcons had just hung on and beaten, <laughs> uh, let's just say the, the the Chargers game at home, they, they had a, um, a game against the Commanders on the road where they're inside the two or three with just seconds, a minute left in the game and throw a pick. If we hang on to two or three of those, we're winning the division instead of the Buccaneers. But that's just sour grapes. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'll be a Chiefs fan for the playoffs since I've adopted them kind of as the local local team um but i don't know it i like the idea that there's a little bit of fresh blood you know the rams didn't make it uh looks like the packers might squeak in after a horrendous start um why not the cowboys you know maybe maybe they could be peaking at the right time this year it's been a long time since they've done that 
but I wouldn't mind seeing them do that. And it looks like the Bengals are back, and and the Bills uh, are a real real quality team. So I don't know. I like the kind of like the diversity. You know, the Giants are back in the playoffs for the first time in a while. So I, I like seeing uh, some new blood cycle through. Tom, I know your primary beat is Razorback football. The news announced yesterday that Marcus Woodson is going to be the co-defensive coordinator. I was kind of taken aback by it. Did you have kind of sources indicate that this was going to happen? No, a little surprised by that. Uh, when you know we, we we wrote on the hiring a few days ago, and uh, just kind of assumed he'd be defensive backs coach since Travis Williams was already on board. But perhaps it was the title. And the accompanying raise that was the you know deciding piece for Marcus Woodson because Florida State seems to be in in good shape you know on the rise. So I, I think the idea of getting back in the SEC, working with his buddy Travis Williams, who they were together two years at Auburn, um, and kind of creating their own defensive style uh, was uh, a lure to him. Um, they're going to have to come up with some ways. I mean, they've got to get, you know, better. They've got to recruit well, and they've got to get guys on the back end who break up passes at the last minute. And and they've got to get. I mean, the pass rush was good this year, school record forty two sacks. But they have to disrupt the timing of more plays because teams that were trailing or you know teams that had to pass the ball got back in games and just tore Arkansas up. I mean, you think about the second half BYU, um, Kansas in the second half, just passed all over the field. And I know there were guys missing in that game. But, you know, other games, I'm, I'm, well, Arkansas was last in the country in passing yards allowed. So uh, it's a weird dynamic. You, lead, you know, top five in sacks and last in p- passing yards allowed. So they got to improve there. And, and I, I think Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson are, are going to be players, coaches, and um, uh, perhaps they can – get this team motivated and, and find a scheme that will help them improve on that side of the ball. Tom, a lot of internet scuttlebutt about Kendall Browse and Mississippi State. Is, is there anything to this, or is this just uh, internet fodder? Well, no. I mean, I, I think there's interest there. And the guy who reported, Stephen Robertson, uh, is really plugged in over there. I, I thought it was interesting that it came from, like, basically – the coach's perspective. Oh, he'll have complete latitude. You know, it'll be his offense and all that. Um, I don't know. I've talked to some folks around Arkansas who think uh, they they just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but, you know, Kendall Browse, I would say, deserves a raise. I mean, you look at his side of the ball the last few years, he's been paid less than Barry Odom, and they've kind of performed better. Uh, you know, I, I talked on Tuesday with you guys about the red zone offense, everyone has their frustrations because it wasn't just a one- or two-time thing. It happened in multiple games. But the overall numbers, K.J. Jefferson's completions and their efficiency in the passing game um, and their rushing numbers. I mean, they were seventh in the country last year. I can't remember what they are this year, but it's, it's real high up there. And I think they're 16th nationally in total offense. And when you do that in the SEC, it doesn't matter. You're a good offense. You do that in the SEC, you know what you're doing. And uh, I'd, I'd like to see Arkansas retain Kendall Browse. So on the subject of offensive coordinators, Tom, Bobby Petrino getting hired by Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M, I know I was very surprised to see Chris Lowe's report. How is that going to work in year one, in your opinion? <laughs> well, we have a strong-minded person in Jimbo Fisher who has his way, and Quite honestly, Arkansas had a good chance against those guys. And I'm talking about with Jimbo Fisher at the controls. They just didn't seem to be a particularly explosive offense. Arkansas should have won the last two games against those guys. Um, With Bobby Petrino, how much latitude does he have to call everything? Um, Will there be clashes? I saw somebody post a funny thing yesterday that was uh, A&M could – could turn into the one of the more explosive offense in the country, and the thing could spectacularly backfire because you have two strong-minded guys um, who know a lot of football and have been a part of a lot of winning football. So 
but if they manage to find a way for it to work and Petrino's schemes to come in, I mean, we saw what Missouri State did against Arkansas. They got the ball on those cra- crossing routes almost at will. That's another one of the teams that passed all over Arkansas. South Carolina did too. But uh, it could it could work out where A&M is a much more explosive offense, and they had a great defense last year. Yeah, my read on this to kind of second level is uh, is Ross Bjork's kind of an insurance policy here too. That if <laughs> that if you have to do something with Jimbo Fisher mid year or at some point with games left on the schedule, you at least have someone that's uh, competent to step in and run the program. Should Jimbo Fisher and A and M part ways? To me, Tom, this is an insurance policy as well for Ross Bjork. I don't think that was the intent, but that's one of the secondary benefits. Wow, that's a good point. And of course, of course, poor Barry Odom. You know, he 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 hires a, a well-known, you know, nationally well-regarded play caller in Bobby Petrino, and less than a month later, he's gone to the greener pastures and and a green financially pastures of of the SEC. And uh, you're right. I mean, I didn't think about it from that perspective, but it would be uh, it would be kind of like when Danny Ford was was on board here, you know, just yeah. uh, transition smoothly right into Danny Ford. You know, this this same thing happened to Bobby Petrino when he arrived. Ellis Johnson was his defensive coordinator for like twelve days, and then he left to go to South Carolina, and that's how Willie oh, yeah. Robinson got here. So, I mean, this this ha- this is not like this has never happened before. And Petrino was on the other side of it that Barry Odom's living with today when he arrived at Arkansas. Well, that, that is true. And I want to say Ellis was there close to three weeks, and I had talked to him a couple times. And, you know, I had covered Ellis Johnson as defensive coordinator at Alabama. And, in fact, little uh, here's a fun fact, the uh, first SEC game I covered was up here, and it was the 42-6 to game. It was the worst beating Alabama had ever taken. And Ellis Johnson, to his credit, we talked to him after the game, and it was raining. And we stood under this gazebo down in the south end uh, of the end, uh, of the stadium, and Ellis Johnson stood out in the rain and answered the questions about forty-two to six. So, uh, yep, it does happen in the business, and you know I'm sure Barry Odom will find himself a competent offensive coordinator. But um, the Bobby Petrino legend lives on. I, you know, it's going to be it's going to be wild to have him back in the league. And, uh, yep, will Jimbo Fisher be looking over his shoulder will be uh, maybe something to keep our eye on. Tom, we'll talk next week. More football and basketball. We'll see what the Razorbacks do against Auburn on Saturday night. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.